Maybe Morgan dressed like Wolverine Maybe Dave ate his way out of trouble Maybe Tuscan's diorama came in last Maybe Morgan tunneled out of jail Maybe Dustin ran for council member Maybe Dave found himself horribly miscast Find out what happened Yes, find out what happened Since when last we left our Welcome to When Last We Left Our Podcast, bi-weekly storytelling podcast hosted by me, Morgan Pielli. Me, Dave Worth. And me, Dustin Diodato. Each week we tell true stories inspired by our lives from events that happened to us the last time we recorded the podcast. When last we left our podcast, Dave had developed a drinking problem. Morgan got water balloons thrown in his general direction and Dustin wondered whether or not he should punch a horse. This week, Morgan drives a friend to tears. Dustin shakes a stick at young people and Dave grapples with mortality. So uh, this happened uh, a couple days ago, actually uh, last week, <laughs> sorry. Um, I do a storytelling show, I think you guys both know, uh, called Relationship. I mentioned it, I think the last time we actually recorded this, that it was going to be... I, look, you know, relation bleep, okay, I'll call it going forward. <laughs> um, if you could uh, just imagine a, uh, a Graylix over the letter I, sort of as a, like a... What is a Graylix? It's... Um, it's a cartoony. It's whenever you see swears written in comics. Yeah. It's like a symbol. Yeah, yeah. That's called a Graylix. Really? I believe so. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, I just. Uh, I, I just call it the symbol that. Yeah. It the, is. the anger I, symbol. Yeah. The swear the symbol. The asterisk percentage. The skull head. Skull the lightning head. bolt. Yeah. 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 yeah the sign hashtag thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I do the show called Relation Hashtag. That's <laughs> <laughs> not going to be confusing. Um. With Lynn Bixon Span and the format of the show is that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I just swallowed things. Um, we have four storytellers come on stage. Uh, we did this particular show at the pit recently, though it moves around a little bit. And uh, each of the four storytellers still uh, tells a story about some form of a relationship, either romantic or paternal, maternal. It could be friend. It could be pet related. And they'll tell the story. And then, <clears throat> wow, my voice is doing all sorts of exciting things today. Um, the last storyteller, uh, is the person we call the Anna Lee and they're the person who gets analyzed. So after they tell their story, um, and we like the word Anna Lee cause it sounds like anal and oh, I, I thought it was like a, uh, a Poe reference or something like that. No, no, we're not that sophisticated. Okay. We've never read, um, any books ever. So it was Annabelle Lee, wasn't it? It was, An yeah. it was Annabelle. Yeah. Annabelle Lee, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you guys cannot see. The look Morgan just fixed me with, <laughs> which is really unfortunate. We should run on the website in extra features, which is just Morgan's facial expressions as we <laughs> torpedo his stories. Yeah, thank Sorry. you. Morgan's Sorry. face for radio, we'll call it. I was trying to give you credit, but no, apparently you, you didn't you deserve it. You shouldn't do okay, that. Good. I'm sure I've read it. I've had to read a lot of Poe in my time, and then it's kind of gone in one ear and out the other. So... The Emily comes on stage after they tell their story. They go over to a table where Lynn, myself, and two experts, uh, two therapists generally, will ask some questions and we'll drill deeper into the story. Um, it's sort of like a live therapy session that the audience gets to watch. It's usually very interesting. We get some very compelling stuff on there. Um, this particular show... Um, so one of the things that was unusual about the show was that two... Uh, friends of mine who I don't know through the storytelling community uh, came to see it. Now, I've had people from that I work with come to the show, but it's been very infrequent. And I and I don't know how about you guys are when it comes to storytelling. I like not knowing who's in the audience until mm. afterwards, because otherwise I get a little bit nervous and edgy about that. Uh, in this particular case, it was a coworker that I currently work with. And a woman who used to work at my job who was let go six months ago. And so I haven't seen in six months. And this was really cool. Was like I'm very excited that they wanted to see this thing that I do outside of work and that I was going to get to see this other coworker who I hadn't seen in a long time. But I was a little bit nervous about this. Now, for the sake of you know anonymity, I'm going to change their names. So uh, the one who I hadn't seen in six months, I'll be calling D.B. Sweeney from now on. And um, the one who I work with, the see, you see, you say you don't get high high <clears throat> references, but then you pull. Out would not screen. call that a high reference. It's a pretty good. It's, it's a, a deep cut, it's an obscure reference sure. at the very least. What is it? DB, isn't DB Sweeney the guy who jumped out of the plane? DB Cooper. That's the guy who jumped out. Oh shit! DB Sweeney was uh, from Strange Luck and from uh, 
uh, The Cutting Edge and what Fire the? in the oh, Sky. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's an actor. What the <laughs> no, fuck? No, it's fine. Um, again, you should not then give me No, I gave you way yeah. too much credit. Yeah, yeah. I know who D.B. <laughs> Cooper is, or, or I believe it's actually Dave Cooper, and D.B. is a misnomer, isn't it? He Dan called, Cooper. He, he called himself a bunch he, of he different called himself stuff. Dan Cooper. It was misidentified as DB Cooper. See, I fucking read shit. Um, and then the person. But you still opted to go. You still opted to go with the cutting edge guy. Did anyway, you read well, look, something. I didn't did want to spoil re- Mad Men for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a deep cut. There's yeah, a long there's a rumor theory that, that, there's that, oh, that he's okay, DB Cooper. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, the the other the person I currently work with, who I'm calling Raymond Chandler, was a huge fan of the DB Cooper theory. Raymond Chandler is a is a legitimate literary reference yeah, you just thank made. You. So um, so let's get out while we're ahead. Let's stop yes. the podcast. Now. <laughs> Bye everybody. <laughs> we're shutting it down. So uh, those are the two uh, people who I know from work who are coming to see the show. DB Cooper, who I hadn't seen in six months, and Raymond Chandler, who I currently work with. Now, the first three performers, it was their stories were very light. Uh, the first woman, Abigailia Shimon, she talked about having a crush when she was really young, and it was a really funny, light story. And then uh, after her was uh, another comedian, Lauren Mall, who talked about exploding beanbag chairs. Great. The audience was loving it. My two friends were sitting in the front row. They seemed to be digging the show. Um, Emma Wilman came on, talked about having to wear a dress at her sister's wedding. That was funny. She's, you know, very, <clears throat> excuse me. He has a, a very a really energetic stage persona, so that was great. Then we brought up the fourth performer, and this is a, a guy named Andy Farnsworth. He's a stand-up comic and writer who Lynn and I have known for a while. He's very, very funny, but his story was very dark. He talked about um, having been molested when he was five by an 11-year-old friend. So it's a story with a lot of layers to it. There's a lot going on. Um, he, Because it is the legality of the situation, whether or not it even counts as molestation is an issue. Um, however, his feelings are legitimate that he felt violated. So he's telling this story. And the thing about, we've had other people tell hard stories, difficult stories on stage. But for a, a lot of performers, it's coming from a place of having worked through it and having worked this into a story. So there's a sense of being kind of removed from the story. I tell some difficult stories in my own you know, storytelling um, works and there's a sense of being a little bit separated from the story but andy's style of stand-up comedy is to kind of put it in the face of the audience so what you're seeing on stage is him still working through it and him kind of throwing things out there that he's still struggling with and he knows can kind of shock the audience a little bit but does he do it in a way where he appear appears vulnerable or does yes. he do it okay he does it and i think so he does it in a way that appears vulnerable but there's still an aggression behind it it's a okay. very interesting approach I mean, I respect it a lot. However, D.B. Sweeney at this point had her head in her hands. And what I would later find out was that she was silently crying to herself. Um, and it was after a while, it became fairly evident that that's what was happening. Um, Raymond Chandler seemed okay, but kept looking over occasionally to see how D.B. was doing. Now, Andy finishes his story, and it's time for him to come over to the table where he'll be analyzed, at which point D.B., uh, Sweeney bolts. She gets up. They're sitting in the front row. She gets up. She runs out of the stage, uh, out of the, the, the area. And there's nothing any of us can do. I mean, nobody else knows her. I'm the only one who, you know, knows her and is a friend of hers. And I can't just, like, run out after her. I'm, you know, on stage in the middle of a show. So you just have to go on with the show. Um, and the Anna, the Anna Lee portion was, you know, it was heavy. It got into even further details about what had happened to Andy um, and his feelings about the matter. The show ends. Um, I have to tear apart the stage. That's you know one of my responsibilities to take everything down. And then I'm you know doing the meet and greet with some of the people. You know thanking the performers for their performance. At which point Raymond Chandler is also left. So I haven't. I don't even have a chance to like talk to her and find out how DB's doing if she's okay. Um, after the show, and I and well, as soon as I can get away from everybody, I I do and I run up. This is at the pit in their basement stage. So I run upstairs. I run outside and I look around and they're both long gone. So. As soon as I, you know, it's time for I'm able to leave, I send a text to both of them just to check on them, see how they're doing. Um, what I say to DB Cooper was, "Hey, I'm I'm really sorry. I hope you're doing okay. Maybe we should have had a trigger warning. Um, I, I'm sorry if that was, you know, really hard for you to sit through." And she said, "Thank you. I'm I'm doing a little bit better. Yeah, you should probably have a trigger warning." Um, I talked to Raymond Chandler, and she said that uh, as soon as she could leave, she went and met up with DB uh, Sweeney, and they went out for ice cream to kind of make things a little bit better, which 
hopefully helped. She said that DB was doing a lot better um, when they parted ways uh, for the night. And that, that made me feel better. And I ran into, you know, Raymond Chandler at work and things were fine. She said, like, she she understands that comedy has a lot of catharsis to it and that you're going to get into difficult issues. And she's a performer herself when she's not at work. And so she understands that, I think, a little bit more than DB did. But this raised the question with Lynn and I. Um, Lynn and I talk fairly frequently through text. And we were talking back and forth about whether or not we should have trigger warnings on our show. And on the plus side... we. If this had been anyone else who'd run out of the audience, I don't think Lynn or I would have really given it a second thought other than like, well, that's so- I'm sorry, but that's just how it is. But this is a friend. And I feel extra bad about a friend being in pain. At the same time, it's it's storytelling. You, I feel like there's on some level an understanding that you're going to be going into this and you might hear difficult things. And the worry we had was if we put a trigger warning, we either have to be vague about it, which could turn some people off or we might betray one of the stories if we have to get specific because a story might suddenly turn to molestation and i don't want to say that we'd ruin the surprise because that sounds like that's a shitty way of putting it but i can't think of a better way but it is like i completely agree because like my go-to story of like i'm telling a story at a place for the first time like and i just want to be like look i can do this um definitely like right turns hard yeah and if I told you what that right turn, a hard right turn was in advance, you would not appreciate the story nearly right, as much. Because it's a story and story have structure and you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're trying to move the audience's expectations around. Right. That's an important part of storytelling. But on the other hand, and this is one of my thoughts was, I mean, maybe for what I call the big three, we should consider it, which are, in my mind, rape, molestation, and suicide. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, you never know what somebody's going to get set off by you could put up a vague you know we deal with issues like rape molestation yeah yeah i mean it, right. it, it, it is theoretical it, it is okay to potentially for every show give a warning that these are the type of topics we might hit be yeah. prepared for that if you're coming to see the show so maybe you are that night maybe you're not Right. But know but that our, that's an option. But our concern is that might turn a lot of people off to the show in general because not all of our shows have that. Um, in fact, very few have those topics, but it could be one of those. I think, I mean, there's 12 million people in the city, mm-hmm. you know, like theoretically, hopefully you're, you're drawing from a fairly wide pool. Like, I don't, I don't. Sure. And the other thing is like, I'd rather have thirty people in the house, uh, and and then then fifty five if twenty of them are going to start crying, you know. Right. Yeah, and again, like I said, if this had been any other audience member, I don't think Lynn and I would have debated it as hard as we did. Mm-hmm. But because this was a friend of mine, and that made it hit a little closer to home, and made me realize, like, I don't want to hurt people. Well, sure, yeah. and all, like I mean. It's a very tough issue because on the one hand, you're like, you can gen- you can justifiably say, well, I didn't hurt you. Somebody hurt you and you continue to hurt. Right. Um, but at the same time, triggers are real, you know? Yeah. It's absolutely a real thing. Um, and, you know, I think disclaimering, like we deal with difficult uh, we deal with, you know, it might be as simple as we deal with the difficult material that might rationally send a person to a therapist know that going ahead that's a good point yeah Mm -hmm. i mean the fact that we have therapists on our show um yeah but i mean like itself there are so many gimmick shows in new york that you'd never you never know and like and you don't know if these are real i mean we say they're real therapists but a lot of shows kind of play that and the other thing is like on the one hand storytelling as an idea has existed as long as people have been like sitting around fires but on the other hand storytelling as an evolving medium unto itself um that people go to shows to see is like 10 years old mm-hmm. you know um and so like for the layperson coming in they may not know what to expect you know right. like they they yeah. I've, I've certainly had people ask me like at storytelling shows are these true right you know like yeah. and stuff like that i i am of the feeling personally that for every person that gets hurt with a story like that it helps 
someone else. That's true, too. Yeah. So I think you just have to give everybody the warning and hope for the best because some people are, are going to get upset I mean, and some people are going to feel, I'm finally not alone. Somebody else experiences and feels the honest, truthful things that I feel. Like, I have my one-man show and I talk about, uh, you know, what I went through, what, what I'm going through dealing with, like, vision and impairment, you know? Right. And... It gets relatively dark and depressing. I mean, you you've seen it. You you know, uh. yeah. <laughs> um, but it has to get that dark and depressing and that hopeless at certain points, so that people who are going through that, who are knee deep in that, can go like, oh, that's not just me. Because I start out right. by kind of I'm ruining the show a little bit, but like you're not gonna go see it. Um, you don't know that. Uh, I'm not performing it anytime soon, oh, okay. so it makes it harder. Um, uh, uh, but by talking about like the person that pisses me off because they're dealing so well with trouble mm. and then sort of realize that like, oh, they probably didn't like they probably worked through it, you know, but like you can get depressed as fuck during my show and I deal with some relatively hard stuff. But hopefully my hope is that at the end you go like, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, I experienced this. People experience that. Right. No, not everybody experiences molestation but i imagine that well unfortunately a lot of people but 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 the other thing you know is that like as the performer we don't get to like um and this cuts both ways but we don't get to um manage the reaction of the audience so that's your hope your hope is that somebody goes through goes on this journey with you and comes through it as strong as you've come through it yeah but they might be a, a, a very depressive person who just found out that they're losing their vision and, and be where you were at the very beginning of the experience. Right. You know, you, 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 at the same time, you can't, you can't plan for every adventure. Right. You but, can't but plan I, for the worst, you know. But I think that's why it's so important to be honest with your feelings throughout the whole thing and to be mm-hmm. as raw and gross about it as you possibly can. Sure. Because then people will see the honesty in the whole thing. Right. Yeah. The only thing... And I feel and, Andy was doing that. He and, was yeah. very honest. And the only thing I would uh, say to that, and, you know, I agree with you, 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 you never censor yourself on stage. Um, uh, there are plenty of people who will try to do it for you anyway. But... Um, I do think that just like I don't censor myself on stage, I cannot expect an audience member to censor their response. Um, and so if they have a response that's unusual, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten heckled, um, you know, if, if, uh, uh, and not even over anything difficult. Um, but if they have a response that's unusual or unpleasant or whatever, that's totally their right. And the only thing, um, you know, that I would say in terms of the, do you trigger warning? Do you not trigger warning? Is that like, I, I lean towards it, you know, like I, uh, now I'm thinking maybe we should disclaimer the fact that well, we deal, that we deal with it. Like, that was that one of the, the reasons I wanted to tell the story is we have a storytelling podcast. Yeah. We haven't gotten into anything super dark yet, but that is definitely a possibility. Well, yeah. yeah. And like, um, you know, I, I think it, it's, it's rational to say, um, I, I agree that you don't want to like, you don't want to uh, forecast what you're talking about too sure. too directly. But I think it's rational to say, you know, again, we deal with difficult material. Might it might be the type of thing that people think seek therapy for. Come prepared. And I think yeah. that's probably all we would need because uh, yeah, again, my concern is not only telegraphing um, material, but also if this were just my show or just Lynn's show or just our show, that would be one thing, but we have guest performers come on and it does them a disservice and it's shitty to them. If we give a trigger warning that ruins part of their story or undercuts it. And and the, well, like, and the other thing like is, uh, now there are two stories. I'm trying to decide which one to tell. (laughs) Um, so, um, my wife and I about, three or four years ago, we did a fundraiser show, um, because we were running, uh, a marathon. Um, or I think it was our first half marathon that we were running and we were running it for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So we did a fundraiser show for that. And, uh, uh D- Dustin, you were there. Uh, you, Dustin told, uh, did some stand up there. Oh, I was in, I was in uh, the you, audience you were, of that show. You were yeah, in yeah. the audience for that, stand, yeah. for that show. And, um, uh, you remember Murder Fist guys? Yes, I do. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Murder Fist is one of my favorite 
um, groups of all time. Half of them are now famous people um, because they were so fucking committed to their work. They were so, uh, but they were also so gross (laughs) and so and so balls out with their with their comedy and before the show started um uh this woman walks in with like two three 14 year old girls (laughs) and uh so i looked her up and down and i went outside to talk to murder fist and i was like hey murder fist (laughs) which sketches are you doing tonight uh, and they were like, oh, it's uh, we're, uh, language only. We're not, we're not covering ourselves yeah. in blood or taking our dicks out. Because they would sometimes oh, okay. do shit yeah. like that. Nice. Um, I was like, all right, cool, cool. So then I go inside and I talk to the woman. I'm like, hey, just so you know, show deals with some stuff. And there's going to be some really salty language in this. She's like, oh, it's fine. They're from Jersey. They've seen stuff like this. <laughs> okay, I warned you. I did. I definitely warned you. Yeah. They were there for like eight minutes, if I recall correctly. They they stayed through everything. They stayed through all of Murder Fist. Did and they? Yeah, they did. They Somebody sta- walked them, but I can't remember. No, no, no. Them. It was Murder Fist that walked them. Because at the very end of Murder Fist, that's when they got up and left. It was uh-huh. right when Dave Hill took the stage. Okay. And I'll always remember this. Uh, Dave Hill is a, a, a great comedian, a wonderful storyteller, um, and a great person. And my wife introduced him, and she was like, I don't know if he's famous to you guys, but he's famous to me. This, he's done this, he's done this, he's done this. Here's Dave Hill. And right when Dave hits the stage, um, the four people get up and storm out <laughs> of a cancer fundraiser. <laughs> In fairness, Murder Fist had, had, had done a full-on sketch where two guys realized that instead of having anal, instead of being the recipient of anal lingus from a hooker and being the giver of anal lingus to a hooker, they had just given each other anal lingus. <laughs> um, but I'd warn them. They storm out, and right as they storm out, Dave t- turns to them and goes, what, haven't you heard about how fucking famous I am? <laughs> <laughs> um brilliant and then she cornered me as she was walking out and i'm watching dave hill and she's like you said there was language but they're 14 years old and i was like yes i said there was language i said i saw them be 14 when they walked in the door also it's a cancer fundraiser so uh well, you anyway, got their money yeah i i did but though we all were also doing silent auctions and they went and crossed their names <gasps> out of every silent is that auction. why i won so many of the auctions <laughs> I won like four that night. Yes. Um, so the, awesome. po- the, the point is, um, you can trigger warning up the yin yang. Uh, you may not. Uh, you, you can't manage everybody's reaction. At the sure. same time, because you can't manage everyone's reaction, you kind of have to do your due diligence. I, like I, I don't, I don't want to stop here, but please. I think we probably need to move on to our next story. Okay. Which feels weird because it's my story and I'm the guy stopping us, but we are. <laughs> We are like way over this in, go our, way over, in our time allotment. I'm right. thrilled that we did. So it's, thank it, you guys for spirited discussion. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. did, has your story resolved? Have you gotten? Um, I mean, I haven't talked to her since our back and forth, but, um, you know, what else can you do? Do you know what you and Lynn are going to do? Oh, um, we've been, no, we haven't really resolved that. We're oh. probably just going to, we left it with, we'll just kind of take it as we go. Cause we generally have an idea of what the performers are going to talk about and we'll just kind of suss it out on a case by case basis. Um, when's your next show? Um, the, uh, it's Friday. I want to say it's the 10th or the 11th, whatever day that is. Okay. July 10th or 11th? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's in that In the year Friday. 2015? In the year, um, 2115, yeah. In the year 2115. Uh, um, cool. and, uh, is, uh, is it at Pitt No, um, I guess I'll put in my plug here. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be July 10th or 11th, whatever day that that Friday is. And it's going to be at QED. Okay. Up at Astoria at the end of the line in the, uh, the NQ line. Yeah, like a block from where we were yeah, recording. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. super close by. I, I really swear I would stop putting super in front of all of my words. You guys are supposed to kick me into the table when I do that. I'll um, super kick you. Oh, God damn it. Uh, yeah. So um, we're still setting up the lineup, but oh, it's super. a bigger show no matter what. The QED is a great place to perform. We always super. have a great time there. <laughs> so oh, if only Dustin. you could see the face. If only you guys could see his face. <sighs> all right. Um, <laughs> All right, so... Um, this is a punchier episode, I feel like, than we normally have. You mean more violent? Is that what you're... Mm-hmm. Or, okay. Well, I'll give it time. Uh, all right, so um, normally I don't like to talk about something that I've talked about on stage on this podcast, um, but in order to sort of explain the beginning part of it, 
I kind of need to. Um, I went home uh, this past weekend uh, to celebrate like the combination. Like my dad and my stepmother um, and Father's Day all happen within like a very small amount of time, and my birthday and my sister's birthday. So we kind of just say, okay, we're all going to come home at one time and sort of do a whole thing. Uh, so that was this past weekend. Uh, I went home and, um, I, I referenced my stepmother. I usually, she raised me much more so than my biological mother, but so to differentiate, I'll keep referring to her as my stepmother. Um, her relationship with technology, um, is atrociously bad. <laughs> it is incredibly bad. Uh, and so the, to give you an example, this is the one story that I, I will tell that I've told other places. Um, uh, many years ago, I was trying to teach her how to use email. And I uh, was trying to teach her via Yahoo because Yahoo was like the, was better than AOL, which is what she wanted to use. Sure. Uh, and I was like, okay. You know. And we went through it step by step. Of, and she wrote down each and every step of how to do it. I showed her, okay, you go to the Yahoo homepage, you click this, you don't, you fill in your name, blah, 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 so on and so forth. All right, let's start over, go back to the Yahoo homepage. What's the first thing you do? With notes in front of her, I have no idea. <laughs> so at the time, it wasn't like it is now. There were icons up on top of the screen. So I was like, okay, I'll give you a hint. It's one of the icons on the top of the screen. No idea. There are only six. Cannot narrow it down. I'm like, okay. It's one of the two icons on the right side of the screen. Her options are mail and hot jobs. <laughs> and when presented with the choice of mail and hot jobs, she chose hot jobs. <laughs> Well, email's where you go for all the hot jobs. Yeah, right. <laughs> because she assumed that mail meant the post office. Uh. And she didn't know what hot jobs were. <laughs> so she took the road less traveled. Yes. God bless her. Um, so years would go by uh, before uh, she would really learn email. And it was only because of her love of American Idol that she eventually, like, her friends wanted to talk about American Idol and she wanted to do it via email. So she learned how to use email. Uh, and eventually all of her friends, uh, the other thing I would always make fun of her for is, um, she couldn't master, uh, the door light button in the car, oh. you know, where it's like on off or door. Yeah. It was always off because she's like, well, I'm never sure which one it is. And it's like, it's, it's the one that says door. Like it's got a picture of a door. She's like, eh, it's confusing. And I was like, it's not, it's a door. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, all of her friends started getting iPhones. Uh, so she wanted to get an iPhone very, very badly uh, because all of her friends got iPhones. Um, and she got one. Um, and she got a newer model than the one that I have, which is only mildly infuriating. Um, so, and she's got like, like five apps beyond like the original thing. Like she has no idea. She's got 28 songs total on the iPod part of it. Uh, and I was like, well, why didn't you sync it to your computer? And she's like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I was like, okay, let me, uh, let me go ahead and, and do that. Uh, so I, 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 I did the syncing and I got her like a hundred more songs because that was all the songs that she liked. Um, I actually, like I did one of the, I was going to do one of those like torrent things where I was like, okay, the top 100 country songs, cause she only likes country now, hmm. uh, top 100 country songs, uh, from the past year. She's like, oh, I don't like the old stuff. And I was like, 2014? She's like, yeah, I don't like the old stuff. And I was like, 2014 is not <laughs> the old stuff. Anyway, uh, so, um, like, we battle for a while, and I, like, go upstairs to my bedroom for a little while to, like, calm down, because I'm just, like, I, I'm raging at this point. For whatever reason, her lack of techno technological understanding pisses me off to no end. So, uh, eventually, I just come down, and I say... Because her big complaint about the iPhone is that she can't type on it, which doesn't make sense because she's like 5'2 with teeny little hands. I'm 6'3 with giant crazy thumbs. I can type on it. You can type on it. Uh, so she, so I'm like, well, what about Siri? She's like, oh, I don't like Siri. I was like, well, what don't you like about Siri? She's like, well, it, it doesn't know what I'm saying, and it's confusing. And I was like, 
you hit a button and say a word. <laughs> like, it's the easiest fucking thing to do. It's designed for like a four year old person to just be because when I showed her I was like call home and then it just magically does it she's like it's too confusing and I was like it it's a hundred percent not too confusing but I was trying really hard to be like calm about it and I and I didn't want to be patronizing but I was super being patronizing so all of that happened fast forward like five days um uh, I go out to California uh, for work I don't travel well. Uh, with my vision impairment, I get really anxiety prone. Like anytime I'm uh, outside of where I normally am, I begin to sort of uh, sweat and my heart will beat and uh, the whole thing become overwhelming very quickly. Is it because you don't know where stuff is or? Yeah, it, it's just like I, when I'm in places that I normally am, I kind of have enough of a sense of like, if something were to go wrong, I would know what to do or how to get out of it. Um, and when I'm someplace when I'm not normally, I get much more kind of freaked out, you know? Mm. Um, like now when I go to the airport, I've done it enough times that I'm comfortable, but when I'm coming back, I'm always coming back from different places in different ways. So I'm still like very anxiety prone. Mm. So, uh, normally I, at work, I kind of had made a rule that like, if I'm traveling, I travel with someone else because I like, I'm, high enough of the company and I'm old enough that I'm just like, look, I'm making this rule. I travel with someone else from here on out. Um, unfortunately for this trip, that was not possible. So, um, I was there, I did my thing and I was coming home and I was already kind of filled with this high level of anxiety. Um, and I normally the way the company works is you go to the main reception area and they'll call you a car to go to the airport and the car will come pick you up and, Already that's always sort of stressful because you have to like find, like every time I've done it, I've done it at night and you have to like find the car in this dark area and pick a dude or whatever. Uh, and they're like, oh no, we don't, we don't do that anymore. Like here's just the, uh, like here's the, the information for our corporate Uber card. And I was like, I, I don't use Uber. I'm, I'm from New York. I, you know, I just take the train and they're like, well, that's how we do it now. We just do it on the Uber app. Thanks for the heads up, guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, yeah, so here's the information. You just call an Uber. Uh, and I was immediately like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, and like the the 23-year-old coworker that I was with, she's like, just call fucking Uber. Like, it's Uber. And I was like, yeah, I don't know how to do it. I've never done it. I don't want to do it. Um, and she's like, you just, you just hit a button and then a car comes to get you and i was like i don't do it can you just do it i'll give you the phone and you just do it and then just wait with me until the car comes <laughs> oh. uh and then the first one that i called like didn't come like it came near but then it never came and then i canceled it and then they're like oh we're charging you five dollars because you canceled it and then i had to call a new one and then a new one came and it was fine and she waited with me for like half an hour while we figured out the whole car situation and I felt so old, <laughs> you know? And like, I, like just a little while back, like, I, like four days prior, I had made fun of my stepmother. And I realized that the thing that made it that stressful was that I knew that it was simple, but I knew that I hadn't ever done it before. And I knew that I could fuck it up, you mm -hmm. know? And I was, it realized, I realized like, maybe that's what the Siri thing was for her that like, it was so simple that she was going to feel like a complete moron if she couldn't do it. So better to not do it mm -hmm. than feel like an idiot. And that's how I kind of felt with the Uber thing, that it was like little, like little fucking punk kids are having no problem with this. Why am I having problems with this? Uh, but I got it to work, and it was a lot cheaper. And who knows, I might do it again. Uh, but mostly I'm going to concentrate on not traveling by myself. Because I don't like that, even though I'm going to have to do that tomorrow oh, and Wednesday. Oh. Where are you going? L.A. again. Oh, wow. Uh. Yeah, I came home Thursday night. From uh, L.A.? Yeah, from L.A. Uh, uh, took off Friday because I got in at Friday at like 6 a.m. Right. Uh, and then I fly back out Monday morning at 9.30 uh, because I'm dumb. <laughs> um, so that's my story. All right. All right. I, 
Yeah, no, I, and I relate to that too, because I, I've been noticing that happening to me more and more, where as I'm getting older, I'm becoming more and more resistant to trying new things that are on their face, apparently quite simple. And I, I yeah. wonder why that is that when you start to get older, you become more resistant to things like that. Yeah. I mean, part of it, I mean, I've never tried Uber. I've been in Ubers. I just don't fucking care. You know, like with Uber, it's a, it's kind of shady, but B it's like, I'm, it's like you say, I live in New York. So if I want a cab, I literally step to the corner and raise my fucking hand. And and what confused me was like the first question I asked was, I was like, well, how do you know that? Because you can't pre-schedule it. You just hit a button and it comes. So how do you know? That there's a car nearby, and you're like, oh, there's always a car nearby. And I was like, how is there always a car nearby? Well, it does seem, it <laughs> seems like it's a poor idea for a corporation. I'm just going to slag on this place where you work now. Um, but it does seem a little weird for a corporation to be like, oh, let us put our hands in private contractors that are scattered around and hope that this never fails somehow, you know, right. like, well, otherwise they were doing it with taxis anyway. Like yeah, in but that taxis, so. taxis are regulated and there's always taxis because taxis have but always Uber's been there. trendy right now. And I understand why a company would want to get in on the trendy thing that yeah. might be the yeah. next big. And you, and technically the thing was you could still do the taxi route, yeah. but they wouldn't call it for you. Like it was basically like, here's a voucher. You can hand the cab guy, mm-hmm. but you have to call the cab company schedule the car and all that and i was like well i don't want to call it dude like i yeah right you know like i called a car service for to go to the airport from here and it's only because i like have called them like a thousand times and i'm right. like i'm kind of comfortable with it and mm. i still feel weird because i say like you know i say the information and then they don't ever say it back to me right they just say okay and i'm and hang up the phone immediately right. and i'm like how do you how do i know that any of you heard any of this right well and i'm just like I'm pretty tech savvy. I'm really into like trying new things and stuff like that. But I hate ordering food. You know, yeah. like yeah. it took me forever to get comfortable with like seamless or anything well, seamless, like that. I'm okay. Seamless I'm okay with because it's like I'm not talking to people. Sure. And that's part of it. I hate fucking talking to people on the phone. Um uh, but like I don't know, people have their hang ups. I think part like part of the reason like anything new some people, whether they're young or old, are going to be like you, you know? But it does seem like it happens more and more as you get... So my dad is a good example of this because my dad is an engineer. You know, he went to school. He was learning on punch card computers. So he's he's been comfortable with computers since his early 20s. And he has grown with computers as the computer industry has grown. He installed DOS on our computer. He put all the programs on that. Our first computer was a Commodore 64. Then we had an IBM. He's very comfortable around computers. But now he has like an iPhone and... <laughs> I've had to walk him through aspects of that. You know, he has a Windows 7 machine or whatever, which is a couple years old. But even then, like, I've had to help him on certain things on that. I think at a certain point, maybe as you get older, you have accumulated more and more things in your brain that you have to remember. So bringing in a new learning experience, it's not just a new piece of information, but it's a whole new subset of of, uh, steps and procedures is harder to integrate into an already existing whereas when you're young it's you're still a blank canvas so you're much more willing to try things you know what i think also is with the uber for me because i also feel a little bit like the mercy of the universe when i'm in a place where i don't know where where i am that's fair yeah um that like uber seems that much more scary because it's like there's no corporation behind it it's like some dude who signed a contract at some point who like isn't really obligated to do any of the stuff that like that they're no, saying and that they're going to do. That's a level of sketch where I'm already nervous about getting to a, a, cap, a cab because I'm like, this guy could just turn around and stab me. Like, already on that level, I'm because you're right. It's just, and you're putting yourself at someone else's mercy in their environment. And they are yeah. moving a two ton vehicle yeah. at speeds up to 60 miles per hour. That's the thing I don't understand about like Uber. Like, um, yes, taxi regulation and all that shit is poorly done and weird. At the same time, it's something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the unregulated market of Uber. And Lyft, which I think is basically the same thing. Yeah, right? Lyft's the same thing. Like, there's a couple others that are like less but, popular. But like the, uh, I don't, I don't want to get into some fucking stranger's car. Mm-hmm. I want at least, at least there to be a government thumbprint on that car that says, hey, if this guy kills you, 
They'll We're get in sorry. trouble. Well, they, yeah, I mean, I mean they, ha- they have a picture of the guy. They have the license plate. They have the car being tracked. So, I mean, in theory, yes. That like, actually, and there's the, cre- the creepy God mode in Uber where they can see where a car is at yeah, any point. Yeah, the creepy God mode in Uber goes to Uber. Yeah. No, I so, agree. I'm just so saying. it doesn't go it to doesn't the go police. To, yeah. It doesn't go to, like, the government. So if the police, like, are like, hey, where's the car? And Uber doesn't want to tell them, they can delete their creepy God mode before the police right. find it. And also there's the risk that the police are going to be less responsive to uber just because they have their own weird relationships with like private security firms and stuff where police are like "Eh." i definitely wanted to go into the whole thing about how the government totally knows where all the uber cars are because the government's watching us all the time but then i knew that that would be about (laughs) 45 minutes worth of dave talking about that i also care about government issues not like he does that's true you want to tell your story I, I, we're going to need to put up a special features on the website of my facial expressions when you bring up all my conspiracy <laughs> shit. Um, because, because I'm not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, but I'm, I, like, I think I'm, I'm like a kid it, in a goddamn candy store with that shit. Okay. But I think um, calling it conspiracy shit is doing it a disservice. Okay. We're already way over. Way over. We're way so. over. Let's, uh, you know, we, we decide what time we run, by the way. <laughs> like, we've, we've put this at 45 minutes somewhere. Right. But our parent way. company is going to get mad. Our parents Uber. are going to get mad. <laughs> I can't believe we sold it to Uber. <laughs> my parents are already mad. Um, all right. So I'll tell my story. Um and I apologize in advance if this is rambly or wooly, um, like every other story I tell, but more so because I, uh, this all just happened. I haven't really processed any of it, and I don't really know what I'm going to say exactly. So let's, let's go on a little adventure. I, I like to think that your story is going to be about the first 40 minutes of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dustin said... <laughs> He didn't like trigger <laughs> warnings. Um, uh, no. Uh, so this uh, story, uh, well, I'll begin with some stuff that happened a while ago because that seems relevant. Um, my uh, So half of my family uh, on my mom's side doesn't talk to us. There's a lot of history there. There's a lot of um, uh, anger there. Uh, what? Yeah, um, they stopped talking with us because they were happy with us. No, there, there's a lot of anger. Um, and I don't really want to get into that because it's not entirely relevant, except that um, uh, after I was like five or six, I did not see my grandparents on that side. And they have passed away, never really knew them. But on my dad's side, um, I knew my grandparents uh, for as long as I was alive, up to until their deaths. And... Uh, in the case of my grandfather, that was when I was about um, 12, uh, maybe 13. And in the case of my grandmother, that was about 16. Um, and they both lived fairly long lives. I think my grandfather lived to about 79 or 80, and my grandmother lived to about 80, 82, 83, 84, somewhere in there. Um, and... Uh, about it, I would say that if I were, like, uh, they were both, you know, good people um, because of the age I was when they passed. I didn't know them particularly well. My father's family could be a little standoffish. It was also a very small family. So um, I saw them, you know, once, twice a year. So I didn't know them super well, but they were family. Um, and... Um, uh, that's a way of prefacing the fact that I, you know, my never, I've never really talked to my dad too much about it, but I don't feel that my grandparents had particularly good deaths. Um, in the case of my grandfather, he died of a stroke about a year after he had the stroke. So he had a massive stroke. Uh, he started to recover from the stroke series of events happened uh, at the hospital that led him to have another stroke. And um, at that point, he was pretty much gone. Uh, he was he never really regained consciousness, though, after the first stroke. Um, but he lingered. He was in the hospital for a long time. Um, and that, at the age I was, we would come and visit him. We, I probably saw him three or four times maybe even a little more in that. Uh, And that was very difficult and strange to see. 
In the case of my grandmother, uh, she had had breast cancer. She'd had a double mastectomy. This was in her 60s. Uh, and then it came back much later and um, migrated to her lungs. And she just sort of, she went into the hospital and never came out. Uh, she was in there for three, four, five months, something like that. And um, uh, it was a few years after my grandfather had died and I and she lived now closer to us, but uh, like in our in our in in the town where we lived, uh, she, you know, moved to it first like sort of an old folks assisted living situation, and then to a hospital near us. But I didn't go and visit much, in part um, because I was so freaked out from the experience I'd had when my grandfather was in the hospital. And my dad, you know, about that once said, "Well, I don't really think Grandma was very." interested in having visitors by that point, which is almost sadder to me. Hmm. Though I am glad that she wasn't sitting there going, where's that little shit? I got things to tell him. Um, uh, but at the same, I did go and visit her. And again, it was, it was traumatic is the way I would put it. And, you know, I'm, I'm aware that I am not the person who was going through the shit in both cases, but at the same time, it was a traumatizing experience. I have always had a difficult time with hospitals, um, in part because my parents were both doctors and didn't do the best job of shielding us from some of the stuff they worked on when they were at hospitals. Um, uh, we would sometimes go there for like, you know, they couldn't get a babysitter. So we'd be in their office or like just in sort of the common areas and hospitals sometimes have crazy shit that suddenly happens. Um, that you don't really want to see when you're a kid or ever. Um, uh, so I avoid a lot of that now. And, um, my wife, uh, uh, is, is, is going to be the last creature walking the earth. Why do I say that? Um, weird thing I just said. Well, my wife is 34 and she has three living grandparents. Do the math. Um, all three of her grandparents are over 90 now. Uh, they're all alive. Uh, but two of them are now in particularly bad health. Uh, so we've been making a lot of trips to visit uh, Connecticut, which is where her grandmother in particular is located. Uh, and this week, um, we got a series of calls from, uh, Kelly's mom, um, and a series of communications that indicated that grandma wasn't doing very well at all. And, uh, first she had been in, uh, sort of an assisted living place that we had gone and visited. It is kind of a nursing home, with a bit more of a robust uh, medical facility on, on staff. Um, and we'd gone and visited, and um, she is sharp as a tack, funny as hell, really smart, wonderful woman. Uh, and they had put her in the Alzheimer's wing. So that mm. was super weird um, and upsetting. But she was doing great. She was, you know... She was loving life, um, and then uh, they decided to try to move her out of that. She was improving. Um, first, they took her back to her old home. Uh, she didn't like being there. They had to get her a home health aide there. She didn't like it. So they moved her in with her her daughter, my 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 mother-in-law. Um, and she's, she did well for a while, but she started to decline. And it's not really clear exactly why but it has, it's not because of where she is. She's just declining. She's old. So we came back to visit her this week, um, and uh, she's, you know, we, we got to Mystic, uh, and she's staying in the room that actually Kelly and I usually stay in. This time we stayed in the attic which was nice. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was actually kind of cool to sleep in an attic. But we got there. 
Was it finished or were there like it's, it's, bats and shit? It's unfinished. There's you can see the nails yeah. where they've they like hammered in all the uh shingles and stuff, and it was kind of cool. <laughs> it was kind of there's a bed up there. Just don't don't stand up too quickly. Don't stand up quickly, yeah. you will impale yourself. But it uh, but it was it was fun and um and we got to listen to the rain and stuff and it was nice. Uh but we got there um around uh noon, twelve thirty on Saturday. And we um arrived and I could kind of feel myself doing just about anything to not go in that room. Uh, and I started feeling very bad about that. And this was like over the space of like three or four minutes. It's not like I was like, Ugh, and just like, I'll cook dinner or whatever. Um, so, you know, some time goes by and then we do go in. And she's still her. She's still sharp as a tack, funny as hell, and um, sat with us for a while. She wants to hold people's hands, um, uh, told jokes, you know, talked. we talked about, like, we got out some pictures and looked at those. Um, and then she wanted to sit with my wife for a little while, so I hung out on the couch and played Simpsons Tapped Out, which never download that game, guys. <laughs> Your life will go away. Um, I'm at level 54. Congratulations are in order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I assume. I, I guess. That's that's the highest you can go in the game. Good job. Still playing. Still playing the damn game. <laughs> All right. Um, so I sat there for a while, and, um, uh, you know, she it, it got towards... we ordered dinner and then got towards bedtime we went in to say goodnight to her and she made several allusions to the fact that you know when she goes to bed not sure if she's gonna wake up but that's all right Jeez. um uh and uh so we, we're going to bed and we're like good night and uh um she says to me as as she's going as you know i'm leaving she goes um you know, I'm really lucky. And I said, no. You know, figuring she was going to say, like, long life or whatever she says. Yeah, I've I've watched several of these. Um, you know, friends of mine have died, and also I worked as, as a home health aide. I've, I've watched several of these, and I'm getting a good one. Wow. I said, all right. Um, and then this morning we... Uh, Wished her goodbye, and, you know, she said some nice things then, too. And, um, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you do with that? Like, um, because I'm not going to say it's completely reformed my ideas of death and dying or anything like that. I'm still terrified of hospitals. I don't want to be in them. But neither does she. And she took the bull by the horns and said, no, no, I'm, I'm staying home for this. Um, I know there are times you need to be in a hospital, but that really seems like the way to go in a lot of ways. And then we came back here and got bagels, and then I came to do this podcast. The end. <laughs> Did you talk at all with Kelly about how, like, how she felt? During yeah, the visit? I mean, we, I, we we talked, you know, like you know, she's sad, you know, but right. it's like the type of thing where we don't really know. Like, you get a call tomorrow. Well, we could get she could rally, she could sure. turn around, you know, like. I just meant in terms of because she clearly had a very different relationship with death and dying growing up than you did. In just in that sense of. You know, three of her four grandparents are still living. She probably didn't spend nearly as much time in hospitals as you did. I'm wondering. Uh, we haven't really conversed about, like, the differences we feel about it. Because on mm. certain levels, it's, like, academic. Nobody likes death. Well, right. You know, like, nobody likes it when yeah. their, their family members that they love are passing or anything like that. So it's, like, it's one of those things that you sort of... The thing I'm coming to, I guess, take away from this, if anything, is that... It's kind of all improv improvisational. Like, um, you can't really put a stamp on any of it or say, this is how you do it. Right. You know, like, you kind of just got to give yourself the opportunities to have the best one you can. Um, uh, uh, 
I guess. I think she's right. Yeah. I think she's lucky. Like, I think most people have, like, it's a real shit show towards the end. And if, yeah, yeah no. The fact is. that she's still sharp as a tack, as you put it, is. Yeah. It's great that it's she's phenomenal. still. phenomenal. She, she, the fact that she's still as clear as she is is great. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that um, she is with her family is is great. It really, you know, like, and it's it's also one of the things, because Kelly and I have been talking about whether or not we're going to have kids. Um, and, uh what do you what do you say we're in our mid-30s so like take what that take that for for what it's worth um but like she is family she is family that helps her and mm. who, who loves her and stays with her um uh, that's that's not an argument for having kids i'm making guys by the way well but it is kind of the most basic argument for why as one of the reasons as a species we have kids i mean yeah. family support sure sure have you know increasing the tribe as it were yeah. There's I nothing do, wrong with that. I just assume I'm going to have my, my consciousness put into a robot by the time I'm a certain age, in which case I won't have to worry about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, that's singularity. Let's hope. I mean, once yeah. my soul is freed from its volcano prison, um, <laughs> then I don't have anything Stop to worry about. Stop it with the volcano prison that you shotgun into every have, story. Have you guys know. tried the, the e-reader that I brought in? I've been, I keep putting it there. Nobody seems to want to try it out. shrieking at me. <laughs> yeah, and it's strange dead language. Yeah. yeah. And on that note, uh, I think that's our our podcast for this. That you know, is same. our podcast. Good night, America. Uh, uh, what what do you guys got cracking for the next couple of weeks before we re- record again? Uh, I'm going back to LA to only travel by myself, so probably more. Uh, oh, you're gonna get murdered by an Uber hobo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which you have to push a button on your phone to summon the hobo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. to come first. Stabby, you summon yeah. Uber hobo is a separate app. Yeah, first you summon the Uber, then you summon Uber hobo, and <laughs> he comes and murders you. In your but the Uber. company pays for it, so it's yeah. great. really convenient. Yeah, it's really convenient. Is that it? Uh, yeah, and Fourth of July is happening, so I'm probably gonna gonna make s'mores or some shit i don't know whatever you, whatever are people you, do nowadays sure are you gonna be in la for the fourth no no i'll be back Thank by thursday god because that is an un-american area of the country right exactly they do not do fourth of july right out th- i don't know what they no. do out there no they they do yeah I'm sure. yeah they they like watch it from the beach where it's all like nice and yeah nice. sounds Fuck. no it's awesome. like it's like really american uh, it's gross. all the trappings of wealth surrounding <laughs> you yeah. i am and i'm here yeah where it's raining it's like 60 degrees out. This isn't interesting. Um, what do you have going on, Dave? Uh, <laughs> um, the usual couple shows on Thursdays and, uh, yeah, 4th of July. I'll probably be here. I don't know. Find find beer. Find beer. That's my plan. Nice. I know um, where they keep it. Yeah. In New York. Yeah. They still are in a cold, cold place somewhere in New York. Um, I have a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, yeah, the fourth I'm going to be spending uh, with my dear cartoonist friend, Steve Sack and Sarah Lindau, whose works you can find on their web pages because they'll be moving to Lansing, Michigan uh, not long after, which breaks my heart since they were my two first New York friends. And so we're going to be celebrating the fourth on their patio with beer. And now you're stuck with us, Dick. Oh, my God. My second. <laughs> well, and my my old college friend, my second New York friend is going to be terrible. <laughs> Um, I'm only your second New York friend. No, that's okay. <laughs> I don't look. I don't want to put numbers on it. You're number one five seven three four. Okay, and I'm the most important though. Yeah, that's it's a prime number. Yeah, I'm guessing. You I may you may be in my first ten New York friends, Dustin. Actually, you wow. you were definitely one of the first like twenty I met when I came to New York because I met right, but you, you at Dave's show. Right, but you didn't give a shit about me for no, years. No, no, no. I I think I kept pushing you out of my way because you were yeah. always blocking me wherever <laughs> I was going. What's the weather doing, guys? Yeah, <laughs> and then I have uh, two shows uh, the week after the fourth. Um, relationship on whatever that friday is and then an as yet unnamed show at an unnamed location that i can't really plug very well because is this show being in, put on by the cia no, it's, it's in a van uh, um it used to be it's minute, aren't, one, I, aren't i doing that show you are doing that show you are one of the performers yeah it, it's the formerly this one time storytelling show that used to be at camp but i'm changing the name because i don't like that name it'll probably be called six minute saga but I also don't know yet where it's going to be because um, Mo, who's producing it, uh, has been trying to find a better location. So go to my website, which you can go to at morganstory.com and find out the deets there. Beautiful. Well, right. thank you all for listening. And we hope you have a great time. And uh, we hope to, uh, that you use your ears to hear us again. And your souls to feel us. Good, goodbye. Bye. Bye.